Hello and welcome to another edition of Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. Today it is the day before Rosh Chodesh Adar. Introduction to the month of Adar, Mishnechnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. When you come into Adar, you should increase joy. Increasing joy is always a good idea. Despite the fact that this week we've been recreating or re-experiencing the trauma of trauma of the insurrection but hopefully y'all can uh, get some joy in your own lives Um, joyous warriors the image of liberation is a joyous image hopefully we could all go there okay Um, so we're going to start on the bottom of Nun He Amudvet 55b in the reproduction of the Duff that was originally typeset by the widow and the brothers Ram in Vilna, lo these 150 years ago. So we're going to go back a little bit. Uh, we're just to, to get off the ground running. We're going to start with Rava of five lines from the bottom, Rava Amar, but we're going to situate Rava with, we quoted the Gemara quoted of Brita that said that somebody who goes into a, into kind of a valley in the rainy season, and there is something impure, maybe a grave, in a, one specific field. And the person said, I just went, a cr- I crossed, I, I went to this place, and I don't know if, I, in other words, I went to a place which I had to cross that valley for, and I don't know if I went into the specific place where the, the dead body was. So Rebelezer, in that situation, Rebelezer says that he's pure, and it's not a problem. And the sages say that he's impure. Because Rabbi Eliezer would say that in doubt about going into a place, person is pure, but doubt about touching the body or walking over a, de- a, a, a an impure thing, the person is impure. But it's not the same thing for Shabbat. Meaning that for Shabbat, the boundaries work differently for Shabbat. Rav Amar Afilu Le'inyan Shabbat. Rav said that it actually is the same thing for Shabbat. And then the question is, what does that mean? It's the same thing for Shabbat. Same thing for what context? And the context for Shabbat, in which we need specific boundaries, is the context of carrying, which is one of the 39 forbidden activities on Shabbat. Carrying from one domain, as it were, to another, from... There are actually four different domains. There's the private domain, or the yachid domain, the individual domain, and the public domain, the Rishut Yachid and Rishut Rabim. And then there are two domains, which are the uh, what's called a Carmelite. Carmelite originally meant a an unworked field, so a field that was overgrown. And that's a kind of a, a public domain, which isn't a public domain, because... It's open to the public seemingly, but there's no access because it's overgrown. And then there is what's called a Makom Ptur, which uh, we'll actually see more of in our sugi later on. Makom Ptur is a place which is not, which is a private domain, which is not a private domain. Um, so it is kind of a protrusion or a pedestal, which is the requisite amount, the requisite height. 10 tvachim, which is about 60 inches, uh, less than 60 inches, but not the requisite width. 
So it's less than four tvachim wide, four hand breaths wide. Okay, so uh, so therefore it's, it doesn't have, a, in order to be private domain, an individual domain would have to be wider or higher. So if it didn't have one of the height or the width dimensions, then it's considered a, a makom p'tur, a place which is neither this nor that. Okay, Rav Amar's feeling on Shabbat. So Rav said that it even works for Shabbat. Why did Tanya? Because there we have a Breita, a Tanitic text, which says, If somebody took a half of a of a pit's worth into the public domain and left it there and put it down there. So from a private domain to public domain. And half of a pit's worth, it means a half of a measure that would be considered enough of a thing, of an object, in order for one to have transgressed the prohibition against carrying something from one domain to another. V'chazar, and that person after he brought a half out, chazar and then, if a person then went and took another half of uh, a pit into that, that size, that quantity, into the public domain, then that person is culpable. And the person is accountable for having transferred something from one domain to another. In one forgetting. There's a whole discussion which we're not going to go into. The discussion in the seventh chapter of Shabbat. What is it that one forgot? Right? Is it just that one forgot what one was doing? If one forgot the day was Shabbat, or one had to forget specifically that this thing was prohibited? Or another opinion there is that did one forget that there were the 39 categories of, of prohibited activity on Shabbat? So, but essentially what's important here is that if one did these two activities, one after the other, according to the first opinion, to half transferring of objects from private, from individual to public, one is accountable. One is chayab. Bishnei halamot patur. With two forgettings, in other words, if you brought out, if Ruven brought out half a grogarit, half a pit, in a state of forgetting, went back to, to, to his house, and then said, oh my God, it's, it's Shabbos, or oh my God, it is forbidden to bring that out. And then 10 minutes later, he once again forgot and brought it out, so that's two forgettings. So then it is, uh, he is not accountable for that action. He is patur. So seemingly the forgettings, the remembering in between the two forgettings is like a boundary. And then it becomes two different actions, each of which is not enough for one to be held accountable for transgressing Shabbat. Rabbi Yossi Omer, however, Rabbi Yossi in the continuation of this Brayta says, echad bershut echad so Rabbi says that agreeing with the Tanakam, agreeing with the first opinion, that if it is one forgetting in one domain, then it is then the person is accountable. But now here Rabbi adds another twist. So so far agreeing with the with the first opinion that if you for, if it's one forgetting, if there's no remembering in between the two half trans to transferring of half quantity of an object. However, Rabiosi adds on that if the two transfers, even if in one forgetting, are into two different properties, two different public properties, then that's not then the person is not accountable. So here it's not only that a remembering is a boundary between two periods of forgetting, but also there is a boundary between the properties. And when you have the boundary between the properties, though that boundary between the properties 
act in the same way, there's, according to Tanakama, that boundary between the two forgettings, and a person is not accountable. Ve'amar Rabbah, and Rabbah said, V'hu sh'yesh chiyuv chatat b'nehem avel karmelit lo. So Rabbah says, actually, more, moreover, we have to define what boundary, what the two different properties are. There has to be a chiyuv chatat between them. In other words, there has to be a property in which bringing from that one property to the property and then to the third property, that that middle property, there is a chat, there is a sin offering that one is obligated for in transferring that. In other words, you have to have a public property and then a private property and then another public property, but a Carmelite, right? Remember that property which is public but not public? And so therefore, we, we learn from the Tosefta, the first Tosefta in Shabbat, that if you, can trans, if you transfer from private to Carmelite to public, you're not obligated, you're not accountable for a sin offering, you're not accountable on a Torah level, on a, a Raita level, even though you are accountable on a rabbinic level. So Rabbah is adding that when you have two different, two distinct properties, according to Rabbiosi, and those two different properties are, if you take a half, if you t- transfer a half of an object, have a quantity that is accountable into those two different properties, in order for, for the person not to be accountable in one forgetting two different properties, there has to be a boundary into the between the two different properties that itself is a different type of property, is a, a an individual property. Abaya Amar, a filokarmelit, aval pislalo. So Abaya said, actually, you know what? A carmelite, if there's a carmelite between them, then that's okay. Right? If you have this public, which is not public, then that actually is considered a distinction. Aval pislalo. But if you have an episla literally is like a board, but it is this Macomb tour. So it is a board, which is not itself an individual property, but can be used to can see as a boundary between one property and another. But Rabbah says that that is not considered a boundary between two public properties. So therefore, if a person takes it out into those two properties in which there is a pisla, in which there's this kind of board in between them, then that's not considered a, a boundary between the two properties, and it's considered one property, and then a person who brings out two halves into those two properties, then a person that person is accountable because they're actually one property. Okay. Rava Amar, a pisla. Rava says, no, you know what? Pisla also works. This kind of a makom p'tur, this kind of uh, board, which is less than a... a, a an individual property works to bow to to divide between two other properties. And Rava is actually consistent with Rava's own reasoning. Because Rava said that a domain for Shabbat is like a domain for a get. And what does that mean? So a woman, in order for a, a man to divorce a woman, a husband to divorce a wife the woman has to receive the get, receive the divorce document. However, the law is that a a woman's property is like her yad, right? Meaning, in the technical level, a woman's property is like her hand, meaning that if, you th- that if the husband throws, because a woman can be divorced against her will, and the woman can't be married against her will, the get, the divorce document, has to be, can, if it's, thrown into the property of the wife, 
then it is considered as if she has acquired it, right? That's a kinyan. And then she is divorced. And that even works, and this is a, a, a sugya in Gittin, that works on 77b, that works even if there is only a pisla, right? This kind of makomptur, this kind of less than private property, which divides her property from other property, and that's what signals makes it her property. Okay, so Rava is being consistent that Shabbat is like Gittin, and he holds that by Gittin, that by a get, if it falls into her chatzer, which is divided off by this type of a pisla, if it was mitgalgel onto the pisla, right? If it if it rolled onto the husband throws it rolls onto the pisla, it is still considered as if it is her property. Okay, so we have it's just interesting here. Just for a minute, we're going to continue a little more on this, but just for a minute to to just pay attention and ruminate on the fact that we're talking about three different types of boundaries. We're talking about boundaries in land between different properties, intentional boundaries of knowing and not knowing, and then also crossing boundaries with both the get, which goes from one person to another, and the transferring objects, which goes from one type of domain, type of property, to another type of property. Okay, back to the Gemara. So if it's a situation where there is no boundary line, right? The Meitzar is the edge of the field, and there is no Chatzav, and this is going back to earlier on 55b, and there is no Chatzav, there's no sea squill, this kind of long plant which is embedded in the, in the ground and is kind of poisonous. So then, what's the case? My, then is there a boundary? How do we know that there's a, how do we know, how can we tell the difference between the field? How do we know whose field is what? One field is the other field. Piresh Rabbi Marinas Mishmo, Kol Shinikret Al Shmo. So Rabbi Marinas goes back and, and he's actually explaining Mishmo from the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Right, he said a few that you know talking about the question when Rabbi Yochanan was the one who said on uh, 55a that the uh, border the border strip and the sea squill divide up the lands of the ger of the convert for the purpose of. If somebody wants to, after the convert dies and the convert has no heirs, if somebody wants to acquire the convert's land, what do you have? Do you have to uh, make an acquisition on every piece of land? And that depends on whether or not there is a dividing line between them. And that dividing line is with either a borderline, the Meitzer, Meitzer, or with a the sea squills, the Chatzav, this type of plant. All right, so Rabbi Marinas says that if there is neither Meitzar or Sisquil, then it has to be, then it's that which is called on this part, right? This is Yainison's land, right? Julian converted. He's now called Yainison, Ben Avram. And he died, had no heirs, three fields. But we know that all those fields are called Yainison's fields. Right, so that's Rabbi Marina says, and those are all considered one field if they're all called on his field on his name. Hechidami, what does this mean? 
Amar of Papa de Karole Begarguta de Planya. Because they are, Rav Papa explains that this means that they are all associated with one well. They are all associated with one well. And this is a little bit of a, a, a later on, the Rambam doesn't do the whole being irrigated from the same well thing, and the Rabbad calls him on it, and because the Rambam seems to just, just quotes the Koshnikrate al Shmo part, that all, they're all called, they're all named after this guy, after Yenison's, the little Yenison's field. But doesn't have the well things. So it's a little bit of a of a controversy. This week's podcast is brought to you by Choni the Circle Maker. Is your business in a rut? Are you looking for an angle? Want a way to pull in some extra bucks? Well, you've come to the right place. Choni is a real rainmaker. No, seriously, he'll make it rain like you've never seen. I'm talking raining buckets. Big buckets, pouring, flooding. Come to Choni if you want to hire someone who's gonna really make it rain. Choni at www.notametaphor.com. Really, not a metaphor. Okay. Yatib Rav Achabar Avya Kameh Rav Asi. Rav Achabar Avya was sitting and learning from Rav Asi. That's what he means sitting in front of. V'yatib Kamar, and he sat and he said, Mishmei Rav Asi Bar Chanina. He was relating a teaching that he learned from Rav Asi Bar Chanina. Chatsuva mafsik b'nechzei hager. He said, Chatsuva, this kind of sea squill, divides in the estate of a convert, right? On the estate of a convert who died. My chatzuva, what is, so what's the importance of chatzuva? What is, it's, what is, what is chatzuva ultimately? But what is the importance of chatzuva? I'm a rabbi Yehuda, I'm a rab. So said in the rab, Shebo tichem Yoshua Yisrael It's because Yoshua bounded, created the boundary lines around the land with this type of, Plant the chatzuva, the chatzuva, the sea squill, and made the boundary within the land, right, between the different tribal lands. He apparently did this with a chatzuva, with a sea squill. The Amar of Yehuda Amarav, and also Rabbi Yehuda Amarav also said, Loma na Yeshua ela ayerotom dotal gvulin. Joshua only counted the cities that were on the border lines. He didn't do a whole, uh, he didn't mention every single city. I'm Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Rabbi Shmuel. Here, Rabbi Yehuda is quoting Shmuel, Rav's co-founder of the academies in, in Babylonia. Everything that God showed to Moshe is obligated in the tithe. Okay, so here, this is pointing at the stories in Dvarim. Two, we have two different stories where Moshe goes up to the mountain and God shows Moshe the land of Israel. And he says, you know, in, in Varim 3.27, Go up to the head of the mountain and pick up your eyes, east, west, north, and south, or actually south, north, west, and east, and you will see with your, ha- with your eyes, but you will not cross this Jordan, and was then at the end, that was in the beginning of Dvarim, chapter 3, at the end of Dvarim, chapter 32, just before the the blessing of Israel, the Zot God says to Moshe, Alei el har ha'avarim, as go up to this Mount Avarim, har which is also called Mount Nebo, not the one in Utah, asher be'eretz Moab, which is in the land of Moab, asher al-pnei which is facing Jericho, re'ei et-eretz kanan, asher nino ten l'vnei Yisrael which and you will see the land of Canaan, which I am giving to Israel as an estate. 
umut bahar, and you die on that mountain. Asher atar l'shem that you're going up there. Hey, asef elamecha, and you will be, and and you will be gathered into your people. Kasher meit aron achicha bahor hahar v'asef elamav, just like Aaron, your brother, died on hor hahar, and he was gathered unto his people. Because you made a misdeed or a misstep towards me amongst Israel in the argument around, in the confrontation around Kadesh in the desert of Tzin, that you did not sanctify me amongst the children of Israel. This is with the whole hitting the rock thing. You will see opposite you the land, but you will not go there to the land which I will give to the children of Israel. So that that's where apparently that's uh, reviewed. It says in the name of Shmuel that everything that God showed to Moshe is obligated in the tithe. Okay. So the Stam asks then, What does this exclude? This excludes the land that belongs to the Keni, the Knizi, and the Kadmoni. Three of the ten. Three of the of the ten peoples who were in in Israel, Tanya, and this is uh, backed up by a writer. Rabbi Meir Omer Naftucha Arba Veshalma, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Har Seir Amon Umoav, Rabbi Shimon Omer Ardiskis Asya Aspamia. So this is a dispute, a debate about what these places, the Kani, the Knizi, and Kadmoni are. Rabbi Meir says it's Naftucha Arba and Shalma, which are three um, cities. Apparently, in the eastern border of the land of Israel, uh, Rabbi Huda says they are Har, the, the Mount Mount Seir Amon Moab, which is over the border. It's kind of in Syria. Um, Rabbi Shimon Omer Ardiskis Asiyav Aspamia. Three other cities. Aspamia is is known because it's a year's travel away from it. So these are three arguing about what these three cities are. A couple of interesting things about this. There is a, uh, first of all, there's a, a Tosot asks here, asks um, a couple of interesting questions. Two questions. First question is, uh, why does he ask the question, what does this exclude, since the statement was, everything that Moshe saw was obligated in tithes. So that's an inclusive question rather than an exclusive question. The second is, why does he ask to exclude what? And then names three cities. Doesn't exclude everything outside of the land of Israel. And then tells you know, it makes sense. It's not everything that's outside the land of Israel is not obligated in the tithes. So Tosin actually has answers that when Shmuel says, everything does say everything, but it says everything that God showed to Moshe. So that means that there are things that wasn't showed, or that's the implication. And then about the what is excluded is, isn't all of everything that's outside the land of Israel, everything that's chutzlaret is excluded. He says that ein zechidush, that doesn't add anything, of course. So, so therefore, he had to add on these these three lands, Keni, Knizi, and Kadmoni, because they are part of Eretz Yisrael. And that brings us to an interesting Gemara, which is in Chagiga, uh, 3b. So, Rabbi ben Durmaskis, a Palestinian Tana, went to greet 
another Palestinian town, Rebbe Lezer, in the town of Lud. He said to him, what, what new thing did they say? What innovative thing did they say in the study hall today? So Rabbi Yossi Durmaskis said, He said, Amon and Moab, two of the cities that were mentioned before, um, give the tithe, the poor tithe, on the seventh year. And the seventh year is the Shemitah year. Most lands are just hefker, are ownerless on the Shemitah year. You can't work them. So therefore, there is no poor tithe. Amarlo, Yossi, Pshot, Yadecha, Bekabel, Enecha. So Rebeleza was was kind of pissed off, and he said, "Yes, he put out your hands, and your eyes will fall out into him." Bashat yadav kibelanav. He put out his hands, and his eyes fell out. Bachar Rebeleza v'amara Rebeleza cried and said, "Soda shemli ravu brito lahodiyam." Is because of the verse in Psalms, God's secret is to God's fears, and His covenant is for them to announce it. Amarlo. He said, this is what you said was already around. Don't worry about you innovating this thing. Because I already got this from Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai. I heard from his teacher. And his teacher heard from his teacher. Going back to Moses, to Moshe at Sinai. So all this innovative thing that you came up with, it's only because you don't know what you're talking about. Because this is something that Moshe handed down from Sinai that Amon Amoav give the tithe, give the poor tithe in the seventh year in the Shemitah year. Ma tab? Why? There are many villages that were captured when uh, the those who came up from Egypt, the Jews who came up from Egypt, captured them, but they weren't captured by those who came up from Babel. Why? So this is kind of uh, these two mythological aliot. The ones from Egypt and the one from came back um, from Bavel. Because the first holiness, that is, those who came out of Egypt and time of, in Joshua's time came into the land of Israel, that sanctification was a sanctification only for its time and not for future time. And they left them like that. And they left them unsanctified so that the poor people can rely on getting the poor tithe in the seventh year and the Shemitah year. Tana, and then we have the kind of Greek chorus says, Lacharshnit Yashva Dato, Amarihi Ratson, Shechzeru, Ene Yossi, Limkoman, Vechazru. After Rebelezer, like, calmed down a bit, he said, It should be the will, God, that Yossi's eyes go back into their place, and they actually did go back into their place, even though it wasn't a Chiddush, unclear why the eyes, but you know, whatever. Okay. So now, so we just finished up to the Mishnah, and that is the whole notion of uh, this Chatzubah, the sea squill, and the boundaries between the various lands. Next Mishnah, we're going to the next Mishnah, yay! We're almost through with the third parak. It's only like four or five more daf. It's been a parak. It's been a chapter. Okay. So now we're going to a, starting a whole new thing, which is Edim Zomamin, witnesses who conspire, but a specially, special kind of conspiring, which is that two witnesses, Shimon and Levi, testify against Shifra that she did something, let's say stole something. And then two other witnesses, Pua and Miriam, 
come and say, how can you testify against Shifra? You were with us on that day. And that's, 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 the, that's the important phrase. Imano botoyom. You weren't even there. We don't know if Shifra stole it or not, but you weren't even there, so you couldn't testify. In that case, Reuven and Shimon have to, are punished with a punishment that Shifra would have gotten if we would have believed them. Okay. Up to and including in a capital case. They would have been executed. All right. So two two witnesses testify that he ate of its fruit of the field's fruit for three years, and those witnesses are found to be adim zomim conspiring witnesses. So they have to pay him everything that he would have lost had the field been returned to the person that they testified that it belonged to. There are two witnesses who testified about the first year, two about the second year, and two about the third year. So then they divide it up in three. But it has to be all three sets of witnesses, as the Meiri says. All three sets of witnesses have to be contradicted, have to be proven to be edim zomimin, uh, conspiring witnesses. If only two of the sets of witnesses are proved to be conspiring witnesses, then it doesn't work. It's not conspiring on the whole thing. So then they actually don't pay. It has to be, so this is Dafka, they divide it up in three. Three brothers, now brothers normally are not allowed to testify together as one set of witnesses. But if you have three brothers and somebody else who joins them and testifies. These are considered as if they're three different testimonies, but they are one testimony of the three years when it comes to proving them as conspiring witnesses. Okay, so the Gemara. This Mishnah is not according to Rabbi Akiva's understanding. The Tanya, because we have a Brayta. Amar Rabbi Yossi. When Abba Chalafta went to Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri to learn Torah. And we have another tradition which says actually it was Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri who went to Abba Chalafta to learn Torah. Amarlo, the one who came to learn Torah from the other guy said, If a guy eats a Yusuf Rakt, the first year before two witnesses, the second year before another two witnesses, and the third year before another two witnesses, is that considered a chazaka? Amarlo, he was answered, Harezu chazaka. Yes, it's a chazaka. It is considered a use of caption. Amarlo, afani American. So the answer was, even I agree with you. It is a use of caption. Elish Rabbi Akiva Chalek B'Davar B'Rabbi Akiva disputes Rabbi Akiva Omer Davar V'Lo Chatsi Davar. Because Rabbi Akiva says it has to be a whole thing and not partially partial thing, and this is um, referring to a verse. On the word of two or three witnesses, the matter will be upheld, and so Rabbi Akiva says it has to be a matter and not half a matter. And here you have. Two, uh, three different sets of witnesses that each of them only testifying to part of a matter. So what about the rabbis? What do they do with this uh, a, a matter and not half a matter? That's the rules of Midrash. If one, 
if one party drashes a verse, has a midrash for a verse, then the other party has to, the opposing party has to have a midrash for that very same verse. If you're going to say that this excludes a case of having to prove the puberty, a woman's puberty, by testifying that she has two hairs growing out of her pubic region, and if one person says, I saw it from the front, and one person says, I saw it in the back, I saw one in the front, and one person says, I saw one in the back, that is not a, uh, that's half a thing, and that is only half a testimony. That's not an actual testimony, because neither of them is testifying, I saw two hairs. And we're kind of bracketing the objectification and the actual situation with real living young women and older male witnesses. Just mentioning that, and then bracketing it. But rather, it's to exclude... Two people say, I saw one in the in from her back or from the backside, and two people say, I saw one from in front. So there you have two people who are e- two witnesses, each testifying about one whole thing, but that one whole thing is half a thing. Amar, so that is the so so that's the Barbalochatsidavar. Rabbanan would say that that's not that's not good because it's a it's a half a thing and not a whole thing. Amar of Yehuda, Achad Omer Achla Chitim, Achad Omer Achla Saorim, Arezu Chazaka. Rav Yehuda says if one person says that he was eating her the the fields usufruct of wheat, and one said that using barley usufruct, Arezu Chazaka. This is considered as a as a use of caption. You know, is considered that he owns the field. Matkifla Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman challenged this. So if you're gonna say that, then if one person testifies that he set, he he enjoyed the usufruct of the field, the benefits of the field, produce of the field in the first, the third, and the fifth year, and the other one says the second, the fourth, and the sixth year, that should also be a chazaka. But that can't be because we already had in the beginning of the chapter that it has to be ritzufot, they have to be continuous. Amalei Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda answers, Hachiyashta now. Wait a second. Hatam bishata de kamasid mar lo kamasid mar. There, in the case of the first, third, and fifth, and the second, fourth, and sixth, at the time, the one person was testifying, the other person was not testifying. So you don't have two witnesses who testify at the same time. Hachatravayo bechadashata kamasidi. Here you have two witnesses who are testifying at the same time, so it is actually a thing. But so a person says that. So what can you say? Why does Rabbi Yehuda say that if one person says chitim, the other person if one person says wheat, the other person says barley, it is considered a chazaka, a use of caption. What can you say? It's because people don't really distinguish between wheat and barley. They don't really know what they're looking at. So one person said wheat. And the other person said barley. Okay, we're going to stop here. Thank you for being with me for this daf, for these 40 minutes or so. Um, I want to, of course, thank my wonderful producer, Ellie Unger-Sargon. Check out his podcast with Jeff Helmreich for Qubits. They're working their way through the issue of blackness and anti-blackness. I want to thank, of course, my wonderful chavruta, Charlotte van Robert and the communications team for Daf Shui Shachar Kohen Hodas, who came up with the wonderful logo 
that appears at all our podcasts. My name is Arye Cohen. You can follow me at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. That's I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T on Twitter. And you can be in touch at the widow and brothers at gmail.com. I hope you come back next week. Give us a good rating on the podcast page. Tell your friends and celebrate. Happy Adar. <laughs>